0: Today's scripture reading will be from Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will have not enough room for it. Good morning. Special welcome to our guests who are here today. We're so thankful that you've come our way and truly do hope and pray you have an opportunity to worship God from your heart today and hear hear a message from his word as well. And uh, for you who are visiting and also for those who haven't been paying attention recently or have a bad memory, we're continuing with the Ten Commandments. Today, and today we come up to commandment number eight, you shall not steal. Exodus 2015, as I was thinking about stealing this week, and that's kind of a funny thing to say, but anyways, I was thinking about stealing, it dawned on me how many stories I've, that there are about stealing, how many books there are about stealing, how many movies are based around stealing something. Uh, I found one link that actually had an article that said the top 78 heist films. I thought the top 78, first of all, I don't know why 78, it's not a very round number, but I I thought how many movies must there be out there that are about stealing something And, and I think there's something about Stealing that's fascinating to us, especially in a good story like that when it's like, how in the world are they going to break into the CIA and get this file off the computer? How in the world are they going to get past that vault and all the, all of the security measures to be able to get, you know, to plunder or whatever and, and we find ourselves sometimes at least I'll confess, rooting for the thieves. Like, I, I hope, well, how are they ever going to do this? And of course, the thieves are typically much better looking and suave and sophisticated than the folks who are getting robbed, mean-spirited, and shouldn't have all that money and won't miss it anyway. But, you know, we just we uh, we just uh, we got caught up in it. How is this going to come out? And a few years ago, I was watching a... Kind of a mini series on the Great Train Robbery, for, you know, decades ago in England, and I was really get caught up in the planning of it. Could they pull this off? And and then, you know, as the plan starts to unfold, there's a guy on the train who gets killed, and it's like reality sets in on what's really going on here. When something's real, when he gets out of that fantasy world, it's like stealing. It's a it's a serious thing. I remember when reality set in for me. I was a little kid. We were just coming home from church on a Sunday night, and we got up to our house, and the door was open. My dad made us all stand on the porch, and he went in the house to see if someone was still there. No one was in the house, but things were missing. Things had been stolen. I remember that so very well, and that sense of violation that comes. Uh, Years later, Ellen and I came home one evening and our apartment had been broken into things stolen and you just have that sense later like can i quit? can i leave can you leave the house again because it's like anybody can just come if they want to and come in and take something from you and it makes an impact on you how many of you here have ever had big or small, have ever had something stolen from you in one way or the other? Yeah, nearly all of us. It's, it's kind of a universal experience and it's obviously a, bit, a very bad feeling. The Eighth Commandment says to Israel, God to Israel, you shall not steal. And in the context of that commandment, if we were to read on in chapters 21 and 22, it's interesting to see how different things are specified. The first prohibition is against stealing people. That word is actually used in chapter 21, verse 6, about stealing people or kidnapping people and then selling them off. You think of all the human trafficking that continues to go on in our world today. The death penalty was associated with that kind of stealing. And in chapter 22, Israel is told not to steal when it comes to the livestock, which is the wealth of their brothers in Israel, and then also stealing any possession is outlawed by this law in chapter 22. Simply, you don't take things that are not yours. You don't take the possessions of other people. It's wrong because it goes against the nature of our righteous God, who is a God of integrity and holiness. It's wrong because it violates another person. It diminishes them. It's wrong because it destroys trust and breaks up community. And when we think of what's happening in Exodus chapter 20, and this covenant that's being given to Israel, God is saying to Israel, this is how you need to live because this is who I am. This is my nature and you need to reflect it because you're coming into a relationship with me. And not only that, but God, as God calls them into this community, they are to be a light to the nations around them of what a people look like who are ruled over by the true living God so that they can be a, a light to the nations and, and people can look to Israel and the way that they deal with possessions and property and caring for one another and see the mark of God upon them what motivates a person to steal why do we steal in, in some cases it may just be a matter of desperation and survival when people just get that desperate but for us for others I guess there's just, I mean, there's a lot of motives. There's greed. We just want something. There can be an indifference to other people. We just don't really care that they're going to be missing that. Sometimes we have a sense of entitlement that we should have something, and whatever means is necessary to get it. We may become jealous. Maybe we become resentful of someone. We begin we get resentful of our boss, and so we justify taking something from work. There's all sorts of reasons that come along that cause us to steal. Sometimes it may be just the thrill of getting away with something. I've talked to people who said, you know, I just went into the store and I just took it. I just wanted to do it. I just wanted to see what it would feel like. I wanted to see if I could get away with it. There's all sorts of reasons that we take things that aren't, that aren't ours. And it all comes back to this sense of integrity. Are we going to be people of character and integrity? Let me ask you another question. Show of hands. How many of you have stolen? How many of you have taken something that did not belong to you? You may have to go back to your childhood. Do I need to remind you what commandment nine is next week? (laughs) You shall not bear false witness. I dare say, I would dare say, Oh, I'm just going to say we've all stolen. I may be an overstatement. You can come and disagree with me, but it, sometimes it's just taking the toy that belonged to the other kid, and uh, it, it's just it's just been a part of nearly everyone's experience. Now, on the other hand, we say, okay, I get that. Sure, I took my sister's whatever. Okay, yeah, I was, I was mean to her. But I'm not the kind of guy who's going to break into somebody's house and steal their belongings. And maybe you're thinking the same thing. I've never stolen a car. I'm not, you know, getting together with my friends and planning to rob a bank this week. I'm not a thief. I work hard. I respect people's possessions. I don't. I just don't go around taking things that don't belong to me. And... Hopefully that's true for all of us who are here. Uh, if not, there's some repenting that to do today, but you know we, we, that's not how, what we do. But as we think about this commandment and the impact it was to have on Israel, I'd like for you to consider perhaps the more subtle ways that we can steal and the more subtle ways that people do steal all the time. Going on in the book of Deuteronomy and the Torah, still in the law, unjust scales was a way that was uh, was very common for stealing. You can steal in business by not using the, the right standards. And uh, God forbade that. It's, you can find that throughout Scripture. Uh, this is about, you know, gouging people in, in prices and so forth, uh, overbilling them. I've told the story... So Way too many times by now, but uh, years ago, when our heater went out, we called this heating and plumbing place over to the house. I found on the yellow pages, they said, "Oh, you see that little transformer that transformers burn out. You need a new transformer. I said, "How much will it be?" And they said, four hundred and fifty dollars." And I started laughing, just right in their face. I didn't mean to be rude, but I thought, you're kidding me, that little transformer, it's this big, that's four, well, that's what we have to tell you. I said, okay, thanks. I gave them their $75 for the house call, and then went down to the electronics store and bought that transformer for $8. $8. And I've decided I'm never gonna, I just don't want to, you know, mention Mike Diamond again, so I'm not going to today, but, oh sorry. I'll probably get sued one of these days for telling that story. But if you have a problem, call Eric Knopfseger, one of our brothers in Christ. He'll take good care of you. Don't worry about it. But, you know, what angered me that day was I know not to spend $450 on a transformer. But would my grandmother know that? If these guys went there, they would rob her blind. How many of us have had the experience or we know somebody who's gone to a mechanic and they come up with some huge repair that needs to be taken care of right away and of course there's basically nothing wrong. It's so easy to steal this way. It's one of the more common ways that we can steal. Misrepresenting something that you're selling I sell a bit on eBay. It's real easy. You know, you can make something sound a whole lot better than it was. I got a mailer years ago. And it was a picture of a stereo, something like this. It was a little bit bigger, a little bit grander, and it was like it was only like $49.95, and at the time it should have been like $179. I'm thinking, what in the world? Why are they giving this thing away? And then I went down and looked at the small print at the bottom of the page, and it said actual size 10 inches. <laughs> The thing was this big, and the picture made it look like it would fill up your living room. You know, But it's, a, hey, it's business, you've got to read the small print, right? We, it's amazing how sometimes it's just kind of accepted that you can steal. You can go to work and steal time. Now, in the old days, you just took an extra five minutes at break, or you padded your lunch hour a little bit, but we have a lot of new ways to steal time at work. Uh, probably, number one, things. That those of us who work in offices, oh my, the things we can do on our computers. Let's just watch the entire season of whatever on Netflix today for lunch or whatever it happens to be. There are a lot of distractions when it comes to our work. There are supplies. I had to catch myself years ago about taking stamps from you, from the Lord, to mail my personal mail. So, I've been there. I've thought, you know. But, you know, if you haven't had a raise in a couple of years, you're thinking, Hey, you know what? I deserve a little of this stuff. There's all kinds of stuff in the storeroom. It's no big deal. It's just a few. Nobody's going to notice it. And we take it because it's there and it doesn't seem like stealing and we have all sorts of ways to rationalize it, but it's taking something that doesn't belong to us. Employers can steal from their employees by unfair wages or by not giving the things that those employees deserve. And how about stealing people's ideas and creativity? Borrowing ideas for your own benefit and sometimes even for your own um, gain of wealth, plagiarism, what some people call plagiarism, some of us like to refer to as sermon preparation, because if you want a sermon, I'm telling you, I bet I could have downloaded a dozen sermons on thou shalt not steal off of sermoncentral.com this week, I did not look, I want to promise you that, but it's there, there, I mean, uh, just, just, just take it. Did I bring that book? I had a book today I brought with me years ago. Some of you who've been around a long time and have good memories may remember a sermon series called Names of God. Um, did that on Sunday night years and years and years ago. This great little book by Nathan Stone written probably like 40, 50 years ago. It was a resource for me. I believe I did mention it so that it wasn't plagiarism. That when I gave... But, you know, uh, while I was doing that sermon series, I picked up another book called The Names of God, written by a well-known guy who happened to be the president of a theological seminary at the time. And as I'm reading, I'm reading the two books at the same time. And one of the books was written like 25 years after the other. This was first. I'm not going to hold up the other book like I did Mike Diamond. I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus. But I'm reading this book on the names of God, and I find full paragraphs, entire paragraphs, not even rephrased, quoted in the second book, without quotes, without a mention of the author. That's stealing. My son-in-law taught at Eastern New Mexico University for a while and teaching Bible classes. At the university level, and having to give a speech at the beginning of every semester, if you plagiarize, it's an F. And then getting people who turn in papers, and it's like, you know, this guy doesn't know who Noah is in class, but he turns in this dissertation. You know, it's like, okay, and it's not hard to find the stuff online if you know how to do it. I think of today at school, how difficult it must be, the temptation that's there for students to get an easy fix or an answer, and the difficulty sometimes of grading. That's stealing. You might not think of it as stealing, but that's still stealing. And then there are things like copying things that we don't have the legal right to copy. I'm just going to buy one Bible class book. And then we'll photocopy it and save the church money. That's stealing. That's not allowed. You can't do that. Copying movies and videos, and today with all the digital copying we can do and software, that's stealing. And we say, well, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to No, that's stealing. You know, we we actually have to purchase... Well, we don't have to, but we ought to, and we do. The church purchases licenses. A music license and a video license paying, uh, based on the size of our congregation, a certain amount toward royalties to songwriters and to people who do movies that we may show, like putting up on our screen or printing out pages out of a songbook or making photocopies of a songbook. That's illegal without permission. And so it's important for us to be people of integrity. And to make sure that we do. And you can, you can disagree with the law all you want. You can say, that's not fair. I'm not, I don't, okay, that's just all rationalization. It's, it's, it's stealing. It's taking something that we legally do not have the right to take. And we need to be, you know, we need to own up to that and realize it. Oh, income tax. This is a cinch for me. It's real easy if you're a preacher. I mean, there's a lot of things you can cheat on in your income tax. I know. I, haven't, I, I don't believe I've ever cheated. I haven't done it on purpose anyway. Business miles. Who knows how many business miles I drive a year. Whatever I put down gets put down. I can keep track of it. I can just inflate it. Housing allowance. Oh, let's, let's just say this. You see, it's, it, there are so many easy ways. And of course, with taxes, like, well, everybody is going to cut corners on taxes. Is there anybody who thinks that the government needs more of our money? Well, there are some people, but I, I, don't, I, just don't, I don't know that many of you are going to think, yeah, I think we need to give more of our money to our government. And what do we say? Oh, I don't like the way they're using it now. And so, I, why should I? And it's amazing how we can justify things like that. We can justify. The paying of taxes. Or how about lying about how old your kids are to get the kiddie ticket to go into Disneyland or to to get the kids menu because fortunately your 16-year-old looks like they're 11 and you can save a few bucks. I, I know it seems really small, but do you see the lack of integrity? Do you see what's going on? How about finders keepers? Now... For all you metal detectors out there, there is a there is a statute of limitation for finders keepers. You can find something and keep it, absolutely. Uh, but you know, if somebody in front of you drops it, you probably should give it back to them, you know, something like that. I know we've all found things and we've kept them, because there's nobody to give them to, and there's no possible way of knowing how to get something back to someone who's lost it. We've all we've all done that, of course. But we've got to be careful not to rationalize it. I read a story a couple of years ago about an armored truck. $500,000 had fallen out in packages off the back of this armored truck. $40,000 had been returned. And when the news people were out kind of talking to folks, there was actually someone they interviewed who admitted to off camera that they had kept some money and they said it was just a gift from God. (laughs) So I'm just in need right now. This was a gift from God. I thought, a gift from God. You just stole somebody's money. But it's a gift. It's a gift of God. I was in the airport in Austin a few years ago, standing in line at a convenience store. And uh, you know, I couldn't see really well, but the person in front of me, when they stepped up, to buy what they had. There was, a, there was a $20 bill right there in front of them on the floor Well, somebody's was just walking away to their flight. I see them reach down and pick the $20 bill. I think they're going to give it to the guy behind the counter because obviously somebody just purchased something, dropped that money and may very likely be coming back to look for it. So they picked it up and they looked around at me. I don't know what kind of look I had on my face, although I can imagine. I'll, I'll own up to that. But they looked at me and they said... You can't shame me and put the $20 bill in their pocket. And I thought the very fact that you said that tells me that you know you shouldn't be keeping that money. Finders keepers. Something gets, you get too much change back. And That kid never learned how to learn math in high school, did they? Or how about if uh, something gets left off the menu or left off your bill that you bought at the restaurant? Do you know what happens if they put something on my bill at the restaurant that I did not order? <laughs> I say, uh, excuse me, dear. Uh, the nachos and guacamole are not at this table, if you take a look. That's over there. But what happens if, they, if I order it and they leave it off? Oh. Hey, you got a lucky today, right? Of course we tell them tell somebody that hey i'm sorry you you left you left this off and you do that you do that because you're a person of integrity who does not steal and who recognizes that you're receiving something here that's not right it's through the error of someone else but you're taking something just the same and can you imagine the impact that has on the waiter or the waitress do you see what you're doing, especially from a Christian point of view, when you do the unexpected in that moment and say, you know, excuse me, but I think you know, you left off one of the meals. There should be another you know, 95 here. There were two of those meals ordered. And can you imagine the impact it might have on people around you at, the, at your table if, in fact, they aren't already believers and would have done the same thing themselves? Do you see how that becomes a witness to others? about being a person of integrity. Back in the 60s, my dad cashed his paycheck one day, came home from the bank, and as he was putting his money away, uh, younger people, there's this stuff called cash. Maybe I need to go back in to explain this. Uh, there's this paper money that we used to, used to have to deal with, but uh, there were two $100 bills stuck together. My, back in the early 60s, my dad didn't make a whole lot. That, a hundred dollar bill was a huge amount of money to a working man in the early to mid 1960s. And my dad noticed that there were two bills stuck together that he had an extra hundred dollars. And he called the bank and he told the bank what had happened. And they he, the, they said, well, you know, and he knew what teller it was. And and they said, well, you know, there's nothing we can do now, but when you know, because we, but when we close, we'll know. We can't, you know. And so he waited. Sure enough, after closing, phone rang, bank called. Mr. Shields, yes, uh, would you mind bringing the $100 back? So he drove back down to the bank, gave them the $100. And um, I think of the impact that probably made on the folks in the bank. But I think of the impact it made on me. That happened like 55 years ago. And I still remember that. I still remember that. What an example for a parent for a, and, and for all of us as fellow Christians to, to have that kind of attitude where we would never do something like that. Insurance claims. A couple of Christmases ago, Katie ran to the market on Christmas Eve, got hit in the middle of Westminster just before Trask in the middle turn lanes there. And... The front end had a pretty good-sized dent. Well, there's a dent in my car on the, kind of in the middle and the back that was from another time. And I thought, well, man, this is the perfect situation. Yeah, look what happened to my whole car there. And just go ahead and fix it all. You know, because why not? The insurance company has a whole lot more money than me. They don't care about that. How many premiums have I been paying for how many years without a claim? Surely they can just fix the dent on the back, even though... That happened when I hit a pole in the parking lot five years ago. That's stealing. There's all kinds of clever ways that we can do it. By the way, having brought up that illustration, obviously I did not do that. I'm not going to give you the illustrations of times when I fell to temptation, but seriously, there are times when I've looked back and thought, you know what, that wasn't right. I need to not ever do that again. It doesn't matter how much or how little you take wrong it's a matter of integrity it's a matter of our calling we are called to be people of character and covenant with god and because of that we simply do not steal and another way just briefly that stealing can take place in our spiritual life is stealing from god we are called to be stewards and to live a life of stewardship where everything we have every possession every resource our time everything everything that can be used Belongs to God, comes from God. We are not owners. We understand that there's a sense of personal ownership in our lives. In the ultimate sense, we are owners of nothing. God is the owner, we are the stewards. And when I withhold my life from the service in the kingdom, I'm withholding something from God that's rightly His. There's a sense in which it's stealing. I, the talents, the creativity, the time we have, the money, the resources, all of the things that we are, all of the things that, that that we use for ourselves and we use all of these things in our work or we use them in our recreation or in our hobbies and we pour them out into all of those things. First, above all, all of that belongs to God. And all of those things are to be used to His glory. All of our resources. And when we withhold those from God, we're taking things that belong to him. Matthew read from Malachi chapter three, verse eight, Will a man rob God? How have we robbed you? Israel says, and God says, By your tithes and offerings. Because you're not giving what I what what you've been commanded to give, and God and God knows what we ought to be able to give. God knows what I can give. God knows that God has given me everything I have. He certainly knows God has an idea, I believe, of what I ought to be giving to Him. He knows what that is. And the same for you. And when I withhold that from God, when I withhold that, isn't it amazing how I always find that little bit that I need for myself or that thing that I want, but when I withhold it from God, I'm really, in a sense, stealing. Not in a sense, I am stealing. I am robbing the very thing that is His by right because He has given it to me. And he's called me to live in a certain way. Now there are a lot of ways to steal. The point, of course, is not to, and to guard against it by the building up of character in our lives. What do we do if we have? What do we do if, we're, if we've stolen in some small, small way or it seems small, but we, we just as we 're thinking about it, we realize it. The first thing is recognition and repentance. It's to recognize, you know, but I, that, wasn't, that wasn't right. When I didn't tell that waitress six months ago or three weeks ago or whatever, when I didn't tell her about what was left off, I was essentially stealing from the restaurant because they gave me that and I didn't pay for it. Recognizing it and repenting of it, determining you're not going to do it anymore, making changes in your life about that sort of thing, and then making restitution when it's possible. In the Old Testament, kind of a side note here, can you think of any laws in the law of Moses that are punishable by a stint in jail? There's no incarceration, is there? Can you think of any law in the Old Testament that the penalty for breaking it is incarceration? If you were a thief you restored. That was your punishment. And there, may be other, there may be some pretty big penalties, but you made restitution, 20% minimum. If you're caught with the goods, double. A sheep were four to one. I mean, there, there's this whole system of restitution, so that the thief will understand what it's like to lose, and what the value is of the thing that they have stolen, so that they can learn, so that they can see this, and through restitution, through it, is the only possible way within the community to bring about reconciliation, where things have been stolen you've got to make restitution for it and so there were in the law that is the way that stealing was dealt with you made restitution and by the way you made this restitution you stole a guy's sheep you they find you got the sheep you give the guy four sheep and you do that before your guilt offering you hear that the significance of that before you can go and get forgiveness from God by offering up a guilt offering for sinning, you've got to deal with the brother that you've stolen from and make restitution to him. And then you come to God. What did Jesus say? When you go to the altar and you remember that you've got your you got something against your brother, he against you, what do you do? You leave your gift at the altar and you go and make things right with your brother. Restitution. Make restitution. I read a story a couple of years ago about a kid in school who stole cookies out of the classroom. Teacher had brought cookies for everybody, and the kid just took them and went out of the room, and, and he got caught. Went to the principal and was like, oh, "I just cookies, you know." And the, and the principal said, "It's stealing." He suspended the kid for a day, and fortunately for this for this child, his parents backed the principal. And when he went home that next day, when he was off school. He didn't play games all day. He worked. He did yard work all day long. He washed windows in the house, and the money that he would have made for that, along with his weekly allowance, was given to him. His mom took him to the grocery store where he purchased ingredients to make cookies. He came home. He baked cookies. He went to school the next day, went before his class, apologized for taking the cookies, and shared the cookies with the class restitution the boy learns something about what it is to take things the cost that's involved what people lose when you decide that you want it and then of course it opens up the door to reconciliation now we can't always make restitutions there are things we can take from people that we can never give back to them That's that's just the way it is where restitution is possible we do we always respond with repentance with confession and in every time there's any kind of reconciliation even if restitution is made it always depends upon grace but of course the best thing to do is not to ever steal isn't it that's what the law says we all know this and the way that that happens is by the development of character Having a thankful heart. When you have a thankful heart, you just realize how blessed you are and how much you have and how it all comes from God. It's really hard to steal from someone else when when you have a heart filled with gratitude. There's a story that's been around for a hundred years about Matthew Henry who wrote the commentary on the Bible. Most people have heard of his name. He was robbed one day on the street. His wallet was stolen. The next day there was an an entry in his diary. And he said, Lord, help me to be thankful. First of all, because I've never been robbed before. This is the first time I've ever been robbed. Secondly, because though he took my wallet and my money, he didn't hurt me. He didn't take my life. Thirdly, because although he took everything I had, it wasn't very much. And fourthly, that it it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Heart of Thanksgiving. It's really hard to be a thief when you have a heart of Thanksgiving. Is there anyone here who could say, you know, God just hasn't given me enough. I just don't have everything I deserve from God. He just needs to come through with a little bit more for me. We have so much. We are so blessed. Our brother talked about it today before the offering. We have so much. And when you have a thankful heart, it's very difficult to be a thief. And especially if it's joined with a contented mind. To be satisfied with what you have. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we've brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, and notice, notice his list. If we have food and clothing, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, many senseless and harmful desires to plunge people into ruin and destruction. Plunge people into things like covetousness and stealing, and greed. Paul says, Be content. Say, God, you've given me enough. Contentment refuses to buy into the lie that is so often told that if I just had that, if I could just acquire one more thing, if it were just that were added to my list of possessions, then my life would be content. God's people are called to be content, to trust in God, God promises to provide for us. We trust in that. We don't go beyond what God has given us. And in that trust, we determine to be faithful stewards of all the things that we do have, to give God everything that we have and use it for his purposes. And here is the true antidote for stealing. Develop a generous spirit, a desire to share. First Timothy chapter 6 where Paul was just talking about being content. Goes on just a little later in that chapter in verse 17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous And ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves. And he talks about the heavenly treasure. By what? By trusting God for what you have. And rather than seeing it as something to accumulate for yourself, as something that you can give to help others. You know, thieves... Since most of us raised our hands, we fall into that category. Thieves can be converted. And to thieves, Paul says this in Ephesians 4. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. Why, Paul? So he can have the American dream. So he can have everything he wants. So he can get, you know, go to the nice... Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Paul says the purpose of work isn't just to accumulate for ourselves. From a Christian point of view, the purpose of work and and the acquiring of wealth is so that we can serve other people. This is so contrary to what the world says about work and money. But Paul says, okay, if you you were just stealing because you had to have so much, get yourself to work, not so that you can have so much, but so that you can be generous to people who are in need. And when you have these kinds of attitudes, this this thankful spirit and heart, gratitude and trusting in God, this is the process that begins our transformation into the people of integrity and generosity that would never steal. So as we look at this commandment today, just take a moment to consider your own life is there anything in it that is anything like stealing that is even getting close to that line anything within your heart that needs to be dealt with if so do repent of it recognize it if you need to make restitution for something from the past something from 20 years ago that just struck you today make do so do what we need to do. Go to that wronged person. We must not allow our values to be conditioned by the world around us who says, oh, just, you know, you don't have rationalizing and excusing. No, we, we live by the Word of God. We live by the teaching of Scripture. And so it's important for us to consider what the world might think is just insignificant little things and recognize that those little things are where our character and where our integrity are truly seen. It's not that we've never robbed a bank. Our integrity is seen in those things where we can get away with it, but don't and refuse to because of the call of God on our life. And when we are thankful and generous, it makes an impact on us. And when a group of people like this does it all together because it's a common value, what an amazing power it has, not only for Israel, but for the church. Jim read from Acts chapter 2 a little while ago. The early days of the church, all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Is that not one of the most amazing things when the whole world is about what do I own? What do I possess? What do I control? And you have this group of people who come together and say, what do you need? Okay, let let me sell that. Let me give that to you. Let's make sure no one is in need here. Do you think the world noticed that? Skip one verse. And we're told that these people are praising God and finding favor with all the people. Why were they finding favor with all the people? They'd just come to faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah of Israel, the Son of the living God, why would that all of a sudden bring them in favor with the people? There's something about the way these people are living in this, in this city of Jerusalem at that point in time that is being people are seeing. There's something happening here. And people's attention are being drawn to it. And it's no accident, I think, that the very next line is, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Because there's something special about these people. This isn't like the world. These people are living transformed lives. And I've witnessed that kind of attitude and generosity in this congregation over and over again in, in ways that I've seen and I'm sure in other ways that I would never even know about. And this is right that that these things are so often done in quiet. But when we live this way, we're being faithful to God and even more so, we are being faithful witnesses to this world of who God is and what it means to follow Him, we will not steal. We're not going to steal. We're not going to steal because through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, not only are such temptations being put to death if they ever rise up in our hearts, but by the presence of God living within us, we are inspired to sacrificially serve and to generously give And these attitudes and qualities and behaviors are antithetical to stealing and would never lead to an attitude of taking something that's not ours. May we be a people who are a light to this world because of our integrity. And may we in that demonstrate the covenant that we have with God and the desire to be like him. We've received so many things from God, so many blessings. If you have never received the wonderful gift of salvation that is fully ours in Christ, we want you to know today that God wants to lavish you with that great blessing. That Jesus is the Son of the living God. That He came and lived a perfect life. That He on the cross took your sins and mine, all of the sins, whatever they are, bore them in His body on the tree to bring about our forgiveness. If you believe that, if you believe that that's who He is, then turn from any sin that's in your life today. And you have the honor and the privilege and the joy of being united with Jesus Christ Himself in your faith. As you are immersed with Jesus in water, that as He died and was raised, you will die with Him and be raised up, forgiven of your sins, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit to begin living a transformed life as a person who belongs to God. And if there's any way that we can help you in this process, if you, if you have questions about it, if you want to study about it, let us know before you go. And the rest, of all of us, as we sing this song now, may it be a song of commitment. May it be a song that says to God, in light of all that you've done for me, here is my promise to you. Here's my life for you. May we be faithful stewards. And if there are any who need to respond, come. Let's stand and, and sing together.